this is the thing about cars coming to you from Atlanta, Georgia. It is the end of November. How did it get to be the end of November, you guys? I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> time, yeah, time does march on. Time does march on. Uh, around the table today, we've got Don. I am stuffed. You're stuffed still? Wow. Okay, yes. cool. Ben, are you there? I'm here. Dave. I am here also. And Amanda? I'm drinking coffee. <laughs> and our guest for the day is Trent. Trent, say hello. Hello. What's going on, Trent? Oh, it's another beautiful day in paradise. That's right. Um, so let's quickly do our grand trivia auto question uh, for the show, and then we'll we'll move on with the <laughs> remainder of our agenda. My grand trivia auto question for the day is simply, when was the first auto insurance policy sold? And I meant to do so this one on October. We, we had so much abundance of tri- trivia in October that I skipped it for October. But so when was the first auto insurance policy sold? Was it sold on October 20th of 1887? Was it sold on October 20th of 1897? Was it sold on October 20th of 1907? Or was it sold on October 20th of 1917? So it's... The questions are essentially, was it 1887, 1897, 1907, or 1917? So the question is, dum-da-dum-da-dum-dum-dum. Right. So we'll answer that question <laughs> at, the end of the, at the end of the episode. Right now, let's let's switch gears and, and gear up to Don Ali Audubon. Don, what have you got for us? Oh, I've got some really fun stuff because I think we're in the spirit of traveling, and there's a lot of road tripping going on for the holidays. And over the river and through the woods is... Uh, happening all over the country. So I'm excited to talk about one thing that I find fascinating and baffling is road signs. Uh, And this started off when Ben posted, you know, in our personal private chat about the car with the skid marks behind them. And my sister and I, um, ever since we were little, when we saw those, we would say, oh, my God, beware of black snakes biting your tire. Uh, (laughs) And so I think that there are so many fun and laughable road signs. I wanted to share a few. A lot of them are from Europe or or actually up north, you know. We've got Amish country so that we've got, you know, horses drawing carriages and you see them and you think you're always looking out for like, where is that horse drawn carriage going to come from in 2000 and whatever. Parting into the road ahead of you. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And there's the sign with the, you know, they show the falling rocks, but then they show like an animal, like a goat. (laughs) that would be falling off the cliff. So I think about, you know, what would that evoke? You know, falling cows or falling goats? Falling Uh, livestock, no, four miles ahead. Yes, beware, falling livestock. Uh, There's a whole site about baffling uh, road signs that Britain has. And one of them is, and these are actually, you know, European road signs are pretty universal. You get them in every country you go to. It's not like it's just Germany or just France or just, England, it's pretty universal when you talk about road signs. So um, there's a road sign that's a T with a red line at the top on a blue background. And I, uh, they have some cute comments that said, um, I pity the fool because it looks like a Mr. T sign, but it really means um, no through road vehicle vehicular traffic. Uh, I think one of my favorite ones is like when a 
tractor trailer, some, you know, a truck pulling a trailer and there's a bump and it shows like the trailer got caught on the bump. <laughs> and there, and my, I always thought was, oh, earthquake and <laughs> approaching or giant mole popping up in the road. <laughs> Oh, yeah. When it's actually, it's actually risk of grounding at a railway or tramway level crossing or humpback bridge. I like the idea of surprise moles. That, that's surprise moles. funny to me. Yeah, uh, it's it's funny. Or there's one where there's a car, um, or it actually looks like a truck with a big explosion sign and a red circle around it, uh, and it says no explosions. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, duh. And, and then what really means is that there are vehicles on this roadway that carry explosives. You see them a lot out west. That It's just hilarious. There's another one that has like, a, uh. has like a red with a number in the middle, like 64, and on a blue background, um, which I always think, giant number floating in lake nearby. <laughs> <laughs> when it really means that the route circles um, is a... Is for pedal cyclers to let them know that there's a national pedaling route nearby. Oh, I see. Yeah. Or the other one is it's a triangle with a car that looks like it's dumping, it's going into the water, which uh, it's like cars don't, you know, it's like, should your car be driving on the water? And it's really, you know, there's a water thing along the, the road. So be careful because you don't want to fall out into the water. Right. Or there, I'll tell you the last one and I'll go to my next subject. But the last one is a red triangle with what looks like a tank inside. I think it looks like no tank crossing or no. beware of tank crossing. I bet Ben knows what that one is. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, do you know, Ben, what the what that one is with looks like a tank? Uh, not off the top oh. of my head, but where did you see it? Well, it's, I've seen it all over military bases. I know what it is, but I'll tell you the funny thing that other people think it is. It's like, um, no frying pan at camping ground. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> but it does mean slow moving, uh, military vehicles will be crossing the road. Yeah, that, that, that's about what I figured. So I would, I would be curious if you guys see, Curious road signs, baffling road signs, send them into us and we can talk about them. I've got one I wish I had taken a picture of. So years ago, um, when I was still um, working for Delta, I took my sister to Ireland and rented a car. It was my first time driving on the other side of the road. Um, and, and for eight days, you know, basically we drove all of Ireland. I, she's not a good passenger. So it was eight days of driving Miss Kathy. But when we were pulling into the Irish town of Tipperary, they have a welcome sign as you come into Tipperary that says, welcome to Tipperary. You've come a long, long way. And so thousands of cars stop so people can take pictures in front of the Tipperary sign. That's not the interesting sign. If you go a half kilometer up the road, the community has created a caution sign for this that shows a car about to drive into a huge crowd of people standing on the road. <laughs> because uh, like, it's a long way to Tipperary. Because it's a long way to Tipperary. <laughs> and you know, by God, there's pedestrians everywhere. <laughs> oh, that's I've, great. I've also just read of a, uh, just this week I heard about this. There's a town in Austria that uh, has a name that... Um, looks in English like a uh, generally vulgar gerund. And uh, they are now changing the name of the town because it's it's become such a uh, 
you know, kind of a tourist thing. Everybody comes there to get a picture of themselves with the sign. Well, there's also one of those in Germany. Um, Germans have a lot of fun signs if you're an American. Ausfahrt, Einfahrt, Fahrtballon. It's great, but there is a little... In Germany, lakes are called seas, S-E-E, like seas candy. They're, uh, that's what they're called, Bodensee, uh, just that's what they're called. And so in the Black Forest, there's the Titty Sea. And you, <laughs> I have a t-shirt from there. <laughs> so, yeah. And, <laughs> and my husband have have one. did yeah. not want to leave that town. When <laughs> <laughs> uh. we were driving through Germany, he's like, oh, we're just going to stay at Titty Sea. So that's my that's my road sign story. That's hilarious. So I, I have one to add to the list here, and it doesn't even involve a picture. It's just something, and I'm sure Amanda can attest to seeing these around. But uh, uh, there's this thing that happens in Atlanta streets where the sign simply says "No." Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not even a specific thing. It's just you, you know, your mom is standing over the intersection saying "No," and I just yeah. think that's hilarious. It is. Oh, yeah. So I yeah. hope that people look for signs as they're on their road trips. But I also, my next topic is real quick. I hope that they play games with their family. I think that, you know, we play games a lot. We even played games on the way down to Savannah last week. And we, the license plate game is really fun. I think the, uh, what you know, the, the car scavenger hunt, you know, what do you see? But there's one that I, before I reveal it, who knows what a punch buggy is? I do. Good, good. There is a there is a definitely old-fashioned road trip where you look for a punch buggy and you get points. We'll tell everybody what a punch buggy is in a second. But you get points for a classic one or for a large one or for a Herbie love one. <laughs> so tell us who who wants to tell us what a punch buggy is. Go ahead, Trent. You're the guest. Uh the way I was raised anyway is it's an old VW bug and you punch the color or you punch somebody if they weren't wearing that color. At least that's how we played. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's a Volkswagen. And, and that's, that's a nice way to play it. I mean, we, we played it much more savagely that, that if you were the first one to see said bug, you could say punch buggy and then you got to wail away on your person next to you. <laughs> that's, that's yeah. My, my older brother and I would come back from car trips with like just bruises and welts <laughs> all over ourselves. What other car games do you, did you all play or love? I, I love the license plate game, frankly. And I also like the alphabet game where you're yeah. you have to start with a and name every a until you exhaust them and then go to B and C and whatever. Did you ever play Padiddle? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, no, no. Padiddle, the way I understood it was you're driving around at night and if you see a car with a headlight or a taillight out, mm. that counted as points and you get to call Padiddle and the person with the most points got to be awarded. In my, in my version of the game, you got a kiss from whoever was in your seat next to you, um, <laughs> which in college was kind of fun, but, uh, but I haven't played much since then. <laughs> I've played Bizbat in the car um, with that I was... And I had to be the driver, and I was a driver, and I played backwards. It was quite, quite hilarious. Um, okay, so that if we have time for one more, you tell me. Uh, you got sixty seconds, Don. I got sixty seconds. Okay, I'm gonna. This is gonna be in your grind the 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 gears uh, segment okay. almost. We could we could take it up. Cobblestone roads in Savannah. Oh. I learned the history of why cobblestones are the rounded 
thing. They actually were the ballast for ships that were had unloaded and they were bringing things to another place and they needed to weigh themselves down to get overseas. And then they would dump their ballast at the port that they were at. So most of the Savannah and New England harbors are all based on these rounded river rocks that were found in other countries. And the, but the technology of the cobblestone was so horses could catch their hooves on them as they were going. So my husband and I were having a debate is, were these ever smooth and did over time they wear away? No, they were meant to actually be so that, that horses could grapple onto them with their hooves that, and, their, and their horseshoes. Huh. Yeah. yeah. I, no idea. I never knew that. Yeah. That's interesting. It was fascinating because we, because oh, yeah. of course, you know, you go into Savannah, so you have to go to River Street and you have to walk all over the place and you have to get on the cobblestones and you have to break your neck. And, you know, but it was for the horses, actually. Right. right. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, huh. so that's okay. my pa- last piece of Audubon travel, this segment. So how was the trip to Savannah? Oh, it was it was so needed for the soul. I yeah. can I can honestly I'm going to give a shout out to Holiday Inn Express, brand new renovated on Bay Street, you know one street up from River Street in Savannah, and it was the cleanest hotel I've ever stayed at. This is the first time in a hotel since the pandemic started. Wow. Okay. And it well I mean literally like doors sealed until the next occupant opened them and. Everything was, I had, the, a guy was wandering the halls with an anti-disinfectant. Every time we were out there, it, you know, the, everything, you know, with the, the pens, you pick them up, you sign something, you put them in another um, uh, container, which was dirty, and they take them away and clean them. You, your cards, your key cards, if you didn't have an automatic lock on your phone, were put in a completely separate been and disinfected or discarded. I mean, I'm worried about the waste a little bit. Hopefully people are truly disinfecting, but it was a very, and an outdoor experience. You can eat out so many places in Savannah. Sure. I mean, so I would say, I mean, it's, it was, it's hard for people. I know, but if you're going to Savannah and it's not too cold, it was a beautiful day. I mean, beautiful. Well, I know CDC still says that if you don't, if you shouldn't, if you can, if you can avoid traveling, avoid it. Um, it does, yeah. and and so I don't I don't want to you know stray from that um, at yeah. all. But let me tell you what it was, it was it. good for the soul <laughs> to get to Savannah and, and sit by the river and get some ice cream. And um, it, at this point, I just want to get in my car and drive to a beach and just sleep in my car for a couple of days and then come back. We thought about doing that to go to Tybee, but <laughs> Savannah was calling. So yeah, yeah. cool. Thank you, Don. Let's uh, move to our next segment, our guest segment. Trent, how are you, man? Uh, not bad, not bad. How about yourself? Doing okay. Uh, how, what have you been doing in the absence of any uh, convention going on this year? And I asked that <laughs> our listener audiences. Trent and I met at Anime Week in Atlanta. I, I volunteered with the medical crew. And I, Trent, what do you do for AWA? Uh, I am a assistant director for the technical uh, operations. Right, right. And so that's how we met. But uh, what's happening in the convention scene real quick, if you want to quickly talk about that um absolutely at least as far as the convention goes it's mostly just been a conversation about how to move online how to still have some kind of a show keep our audience engaged that way you know we don't we still want to do something for the people like awa is very much a very fan run convention you know we are by the fans for the fans um you know so we we didn't want to like just say oh we're not doing anything and that's 
been a huge discussion is how to do something online to keep people engaged and say, hey, yeah. we're still here and we're still here for you guys. Yeah. So all this time, I had no idea that you were actually into cars. Yeah. Um, it's it's definitely been a, a late thing. I wasn't into cars in my teens and, you know, my early 20s. It was just I got a couple of friends that were really into cars and, you know, we just I would help them tinker with them. And then it just kind of grew out of that. Um <laughs> Especially in the in a convention scene, it, you don't find many people into cars. It's right. not something that typically goes hand in hand. But don't we see? I mean, just for the sake of discussion, because the other conspirators here haven't seen this, but uh, in the dealers room, there's always four or five Hoonigans back in the back, right? There's mm-hmm. a, so, the Ishtas. Um, yeah. I'm friends with several of them. Like they always have, you know, we have a couple of different cars that show up. Uh, one of my good friends. Um, Nico, she's got the Mini with the Diva livery all over it. Um, and then we have like some Honda S2000s that show up. Uh, I think there's a WRX or two. You know, there's, there's a lot of JDM cars and American cars that show up. And they are plastered uh, with all kinds of liveries and stickers and wraps. And they always look amazing. Yeah. Yeah, they always look kind of really cool. And I'm, I'm wondering how they how well they perform because every time they show up to the show, they're pristine. They have nice, clean tires. They they smell nice. They haven't been burning anything. Um, and it's like, okay, what does that thing actually do on a track? I don't know. I've never seen them move. So uh, For the most of them, I can't tell you anything, but uh, Nico's mini Cooper that she has, uh, it's completely stock. It's just got a wrap and she keeps it clean, well-maintained and keeps it clean. Got it. So among the notes that you sent, you used the term hot hatches. Uh, yes. And, and so the, the, the whole bullet point was we could talk about the decline of hot hatches and how underrated they are. Can you tell us more about that? And, and now we're starting to see a resurgence. Um, I feel oh. like, especially here in America, it's hatchbacks never really caught on. They've never really been a thing. I love uh, hatchbacks personally. Um, but there's, you know, they always kind of looked at as mom cars, your wagons and your hatchbacks. But um, I feel like there's a lot of great enthusiast hatchbacks, like the WRX hatchback that they ended up discontinuing a couple of years ago, uh, the Mazda Speed 3, now with the Civic Type R and the Veloster N. Um, and also, I do want to throw out there that I myself do own a Civic Type R. I have a 2019 Civic Type R batch number 25 three four nine wow so that's cool. all all the civic type r's are badged individually which is part of the reason why i love it <laughs> um we get also the mustang the mustang uh, yeah. fastback yeah that was my my car in college was i had a mustang fastback that if you put the back seat down and laid roommates in it you could stack six or seven roommates yeah. <laughs> in the back of a mustang and isn't the citron uh, traditionally hatchback yeah, uh, Amanda, but it's, also, it's it, not so much available in America. <laughs> Amanda, doesn't the Subaru count as a hatchback? Um, or is it a, not quite a designated? The thing? I think the Outback would. Yeah, count as a definitely hatchback. the Outback would. I'm not sure about the Crosstrek, to be honest. Hmm. Well, everything that's more or less in the hatchback category in the United States right now is a five-door body, like a little mini wagon. What I really miss are the true two-door hatches, um, which are basically gone now. In fact, uh, the the VW Golf is no longer available in any two-door form, and I think that's a travesty. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, but the first car that really was you know thought of as the hot hatch was VW's GTI, which you know was a hotter Golf that came out in the 70s. 
uh, and I had a 2002 GTI, only car I ever bought new, and boy, did I love it. Oh, they're they're fun cars. Uh, my roommate has a 2017 that he bought brand new, and it's still a lot of fun to drive. Yeah, the downside, though, is that modern VWs really turned to crap after five or six years. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's why he traded his last one in and still got another one. <laughs> so, Trent, you, you say that these that the hatchbacks are not coming back? I, I feel like they are. Um, maybe not so much the hatchbacks, but just the enthusiast economy car, at least, is what, you know, I kind of think of hatchbacks or the hot hatches as enthusiast economy cars. Ben, didn't we on a recent episode talk about how Honda was cutting a Civic or they were cutting the two-door Civic or something like that? They are. Yeah, uh, I believe so. And <clears throat> I also just read that, uh, not that it's a very much of an enthusiast car, but that the the fit has been, has been axed for the United States as well. Wow, I'm surprised. Yeah, for next year, the Civic is going to be the entry-level Honda. Although, to its credit, it's, uh, it's going to be better looking than it has been the last couple of years. Okay. So and and with yeah. that being said, uh, I understand that the Civic Type R looks like a ten-year-old designed it. Um, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I owning it, it's grown on me. I love it. You know, it is. It does have a very aggressive look to it, and it does look like it's completely over-engineered. <laughs> but every single aspect of that was for something. Yeah. With the 2020 model year, um, Honda increased the opening of the front grille. And to give it 18% more airflow. But what they had to do was add canards to the front to make up for the downforce they were losing by opening that up. Right. So everything they put on that car has a purpose and has a reason. Right, exactly. No, I'm looking at a picture of it right now. Uh, I, I know people like to hate on Civic Type Rs, but I see no reason to do that. I think it's just, it just looks like a ton of fun. Oh, I'll, I'll give it, you know, all the crap in the world too. I mean, it is, <laughs> it's a little two liter four banger that, it, you know, it's turbocharged, but man, it is, it is fast and people doubt it all the time. And mm -hmm. I mean, even in a straight line, which it's not designed for, it is still pretty quick and it will keep up with, you know, a very notable cars, like mm -hmm. up to the Mustang five Oh, it'll keep up with most Mustangs in a straight line. It'll keep up with, you know, the okay. challengers and chargers up to the RTs. Um, you know, she's quick. It's okay. a fun little car. So what's up with Toyota slash Subaru not putting a WRX engine in the 86? That's what we're all wondering. Cause they just, yeah. uh, cause I was reading the other day that on the 86, they are now putting the 2.4 liter flat four boxer engine in the 86, mm -hmm. which is very similar, which the WRX uses a two liter, but it's basically the same engine, just smaller. Yeah. But I don't understand why they won't put, a higher horsepower package in the 86. It is, yes. Right. Probably uh, a uh, market decision type thing. You know, not <laughs> not wanting a car that's you know more down market than another model to even in, even in a rare optional that's form, you know, show up the more up market car. This has happened before. Back in uh, the <laughs> 80s, there was a there was a really quick little you know Buick Regal known as the Grand National. Uh, you know, it was a turbo V6. And there was an even hotter version called the GNX and GM made the decision to govern their engines to prevent them from out accelerating the more expensive Corvette. I mean, you know, we're talking about an 86. We're not talking about something that's an everyman, everyday driver. Why not make an extremely limited version of it with a WRX engine in it? 
I, I think I get what he's saying is because they yeah. have Toyota also has the Supra, the new Supra. Yeah, that is true. Um, which I'm not going to beat up on. That's too low hanging fruit. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it they put a WRX engine, and that's kind of where I'm thinking too is that they won't do it is because they don't want it to start getting up there with the Supra, and then not give people a reason to buy the Supra anymore. There were also rumors for years that there was going to be an S2000 with the NSX engine in it that never came to fruition. I suspect it was probably a similar thing. Oh, that would have oh, been a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love your last bullet point here, Trent. Uh, how long before Dodge makes a Grand Caravan Hellcat? That's just hilarious. <laughs> Look, I mean, it it follows the cat name. It, you know, if it fits, it sits. <laughs> it's in the Challenger. It's in the Charger. It's in the Durango. It's in the Ram. I mean... Hot minivans. All they got left is the Grand Caravan. Nice yeah. minivan. Want to race? <laughs> I'm telling you, you know, a little sleeper action there. That would be awesome. I would totally, totally get all behind the wheels of that. Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> you, you, you can haul ass and, and other stuff, stuff too. too. <laughs> all right, Trent, I've got a handful of questions for you. You ready? Yeah. All right. Number one, what is your dream car? Um, to be cliche, I'm going to say an R34 Skyline. Yeah, that's, that's uh, But if you don't want the cliche answer, uh, a Mazda Cosmo. What's, wait, I'm not familiar with this. What's a Mazda Ooh. Cosmo? Uh, it's a precursor to their um, RX cars, and it oh. used a rotary engine as well. Oh. And it was, for its time, it was a pretty nasty little car. Cool. I'm going to have to do some research. Very cool. Yeah. Question number two, where's your next road trip going to be? Uh, I'm thinking about Savannah now after Dawn. Um, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That that actually sounds pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> go, to get, go to Savannah. Check out the cobblestones. Yeah. Question yeah. number three. What's Take your horse. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's the most fascinating thing you've seen in someone's house or garage? That's a... I work in construction. I've been in a lot of people's houses, so that is actually a very tough question. And I, I really couldn't come up with anything that just, I don't know. I meet a lot of boring people. Um, no, that's that's cool. It's it's sort of a tough question. We used to say, "What's the weirdest thing you've seen in, in someone's garage?" But to to us, nothing is really weird. So yeah, like, <laughs> so yeah. I've, I've I've seen a lot of things. That's why nothing's particularly interesting. But I can divert that and say and tell another story that you guys might like. Um, <laughs> Like I said, I worked in construction. I am an electrician, or was anyway. I got promoted to an office. Whole nother story. Um, but I did work on the Porsche Hotel down oh. by the airport. Uh, my company did all the electrical work for their hotel. And I was one of the last people on the job once we finished it all up. And I was there, you know, finishing up some things and just helping out in general uh, for their grand opening. And I helped them roll in the Panamera, if I'm saying that right. Yeah. Uh, for the grand opening and it was and when i was talking to the guys and the technicians and all them you know i was like how much is that car worth and they said that one in particular cost two hundred forty thousand dollars, and it was their like top line top trims red leather interior like all red leather oh interior. it's gorgeous it, is it was stunning. absolutely beautiful if i remember right i think it was a twin turbo v12 engine wow and isn't um, it? Yeah, it's gorgeous. I'm sorry. And when they brought it over from their headquarters, which is, you know, across the street, mm -hmm. right. they didn't turn it on and drive it over. 
They had six guys pushing it <laughs> the entire way. But so they, they did not put, want to turn it on. I was going to say, or they didn't want to put any mileage on the odometer. Yeah, basically. So they just rolled it over. And then, you know, they got it into the ballroom, they jacked it up, cleaned the tires back off, you know, they had a whole nother crew come in and detail it again, and, you know, make sure all the, you know, the emblems were facing the right way on the wheels, and it was just, working on that, and seeing that was awesome, but working on that job, we actually got to sit out there and on the top of the building and watch them do their races on the track behind their headquarters, Yes, and that was always really fun to watch. Uh, like their race teams would come in and race some of their uh, cars, like their uh, TC series cars and things like that. And it was always a lot of fun because a lot of the people that worked over at Porsche, they, you know, if they came over, they were always happy to talk about cars and they were all really cool people. So that's where we, Chris and I hang out almost every other weekend. We go to that hotel <laughs> and nobody knows the name of it. It's a Kempton. Yeah. Everybody calls it the, the Porsche hotel and they should rename it, it the Porsche hotel. It was originally the Solis. Yes. But and now, then now it's about the a year. Yeah. About a year after they uh, opened, they renamed it to a Kempton or Kempton took over. Yeah. And so you can go up on the deck and have a drink and watch mm-hmm. and watch the little, it's like, it's like your own little set of Hot Wheels. It's really yeah, fun. That's, that's where we would hang out like during lunch or break time. I am you going know, to have there, to go if check anyone was racing. I mean, and you know, there is a restaurant at Porsche. There you mm-hmm. can you can make a reservation. What the first week they opened, we went and had dinner there, and it is a five star restaurant with an incredible wine list. See, it, this is why we need more contacts over at Porsche. <laughs> we do. <laughs> it's and and I just I love that. that hotel. Literally, is our our little getaway. Nobody knows about it. It's the best restaurant on the south side of Atlanta. So now I have three destinations. I've got to go to the Porsche Hotel. I've got to go to Savannah, and I've got to go to TDC. Uh, and, and to make a recommendation, if you can get their presidential suite, it is quite expensive, but it takes up like an entire side of the hotel. It takes up the entire track side of the hotel, and it is really awesome. Wow. It is a really awesome room. All right. My last question for you real quick is, um, what sport would be the funniest to add a mandatory amount of alcohol to? Um. I don't think rugby would because that's already pretty. Uh... Are you meaning to watch or to play? I don't know that the answer matters. <laughs> uh, golf. I'm going to go with golf. Uh, golf. Because, you know, there's so much precision and there's so much of a mindset involved with that. I would love just to watch like a PGA tournament of everybody's just hammered and can't hit the right direction and just, you know, they're stumbling. And that would be I think that would be great. That's awesome. I have actually played a mandatory drinking golf tournament and somewhere around the 13th hole, it just became full contact. (laughs) (laughs) I played a golf tournament that of course, charity golf tournament where every hole was a different sport. Like you had to get a different ball into a different hole with a different instrument on a golf course. And one of them was taking a billiard and putting a, like when you got to putt, not when you hit the ball long, not the long game, but the short game. And you took a billiard cue and you hit a billiard ball into the pocket. That was fun. I'm glad you actually clarified that because the idea of having to shoot a billiard ball all the way down the fairway no. with a cue. Now you played, play. you played the, you played it until you played a regular golf game until you got to the green. And then it, uh, okay. and then it was, 
it was it was a bat and a ball. It was a soccer ball. I mean, it was. It I would was, love golf if we could play it with spud guns instead of clubs. You know, if I could stand on a tee <laughs> and just launch that ball mm-hmm. in the general direction of the hole and see how far and how close I could get it. That's yeah. That's called a really? shooting range. <laughs> <laughs> I was just or thinking the same thing. Or it's called Midtown on New Year's Eve. We actually we have a neighbor in Ansley Park who has a a spud gun. And at midnight every year, they fire flaming potatoes into the neighborhood. Um, and we're talking like, you know, not, you know, a pastoral neighborhood. We're talking about flaming potatoes landing on Monroe Drive in traffic. <laughs> well, d- don't tell him that uh, balled up socks actually work better. <laughs> on fire? They absorb more fuel and they, well, yeah, the, the, they'll absorb more fuel and they also uh, conform to the barrel bore better. So, you know. <laughs> uh, all right. So I'm frightened that you know that. <laughs> ben is a closet <laughs> pyromaniac. Oh, that was Ben's evil laugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank me? you, Tran. I'm glad you could join us today. And uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, let's uh, definitely get together in person whenever we can and, and and take a closer look at your at your Civic. Absolutely, I I love showing that car off. I mean, it is such a fun car. It looks like a ton of fun. It I cannot. Uh, I've tried to abuse it and get it to break loose and have some real fun with it. And it, it doesn't, it is such an incredibly well-balanced car. And for anyone uh, else on this podcast, we do an Everett meeting. I would be more than happy to let you guys drive it. Do you, uh, I got to ask, do you ever track it? Do you go to car shows or anything like that? Uh, I've gone to several caffeine and octanes, Mm -hmm. um, but I haven't gone to a track yet. Okay. I just haven't had the time or money or anything to really get into that just yet well, but i want to we do other things around town we we try to you know we don't do the caffeine and octane thing just because they tend to do their own branding but uh um but if there's ever an opportunity to meet up let's make sure we do that yeah absolutely yeah all right thank you trent so um uh we're gonna slip into gear here with my segment which is whatever's grinding my gears all right so the thing that really grinds my gears this week dealership stickers on my car. When I buy a car, I'm not paying to become the dealership's billboard. Keep your identifying marks off of my car. Amen. And, you know, and that's yeah. what yeah. really grinds my gears. And, and and people have been quick to say to me, well, you're paying for their advertisement. I'm like, yeah, but if I can opt to have that garbage off of my car, keep it off of my car. So, but that's- I, yeah. I agree that I think Vicki, that is my number one complaint of buying from a dealership yep. is I do not, want to see anything and i even have said if you don't put that on i will pay you like i will pay more for you to not put that on my car uh it's it's really frustrating i agree that i i I think it's it's a i don't like any stickers on my car either i don't like anything but with the factory what it left the factory with well you know there was a time when i thought you know bumper stickers on the car were cool it's a little bit of a a personalizing you know thing to, to put on your car but but i just I just don't want to be someone else's advertisement, especially if I can, you know, forever, forever. Right. As, as long as they're not paying me for the privilege or if, if they want to say, yes, Mickey, we'll give you a 10% discount on your car. If we could put your name, our name on your back bumper, I'd be okay with that. Maybe. But, uh, but gosh, that's just the assumption that I could drive away with a car that says Honda Carland on the back of it. I'm like, I don't want to be your advertisement. Sorry. Forever. Right. <laughs> Yeah, unless you're giving me some free oil changes or a price discount. No, thank you. Exactly. That's exactly right. But uh, since all of a sudden I am now looking at a new car, this is timely. I appreciate the reminder. (laughs) 
Speaking yeah, of which, right. Dave, we do have a couple extra minutes here. Did you did you narrow down your selection? Uh, not yet. The um, so for those um, for those listening, um, my my beloved Jeep Wrangler um, uh, was nailed uh, this week by a truck and bobcat trailer that broke free on the hill that we are living that we live on. Fortunately, no one was hurt, um, but it rolled down the hill about. 200 feet, but you know, a lot of momentum hit the front of my Jeep where it's parked in front of my house, spun it around 170 degrees and then shoved it another 30 feet down the street, um, into, um, my neighbor's Highlander. And so, and, uh, when we got home, the Jeep was stuck in the middle, um, with the Bobcat Jack jacking the Ram truck up, um, into it. And the, uh, uh, the one thing I will say, again, singing the praises of the Wrangler, uh, the Wrangler apparently just needs a new buff, uh, a new bumper, and to to have the wheels remounted. It nailed that Dodge Ram um, front of the. I thought uh, so, oh the Dodge. You said it was a Toyota Highlander too. Yeah, well, yeah, the, the Highlander, uh, the truck hit my car, spun it around, and then shoved it down the road into the Highlander. The okay. truck was a Dodge. Um, Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Oh, man, what a headache. Yeah, I'm glad nobody was hurt. Yeah. Yeah, so was I. And the the poor young man who was like loading the Bobcat, I think maybe was 21, was just absolutely beside himself. My my neighbor and I were like, you know, yeah, okay, even though you just wiped out our cars, you know, really, it's not that bad. No one's hurt. (laughs) So I'm That's what insurance is for. Yeah. And are you going through the company's insurance and not your own? Um, I am actually going through my insurance because they are making it so damn easy for me. And they're dealing with the other, with the other company's insurance. Okay. Be careful. I've done that twice and I have really gotten messed up. Really? Yeah. They, uh, it's just so frustrating. They make it seem so easy for you and they, you know, say you're going to get top dollar for it and, you know, a lot of things, but, you know, remember they're getting your car, which means they're getting all your parts, which means they're just going to sell that car off for parts and make their money back. Uh, uh, So I, but for most people that's, they just want to be free of the headache and True. But if, but I would just question every, when you get the itemized list of what your, what's your vehicle's worth, I would look at that very, very carefully. Got because, it. I should come out and say they're not totaling it in my case. They're, they're just fixing it. Oh, so they're fixing it and then you're going to sell it? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I wish I could afford I it. I think so. Um, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, Let's talk offline. Yeah. You're kidding, you're kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So jumping on to the next segment, we have a uh, listener viewer input here. The couple of, I've got a couple more worst car you've ever owned stories or not stories, but statements here this time. Uh, my friend Jerry says that the worst car he ever owned was a white Corvair station wagon. He says the exhaust leak and you could not drive with the windows up. And I'm like, was that all Corvairs? Is that why they made them a convertible or what? <laughs> And then Julie says she had a Volvo wagon. She doesn't even remember what year it was, but it was a V70. It was a great test drive, but the day she picked hers up was when everything started to go downhill. It ultimately ended when a wheel came off the axle while she was driving it on the interstate. She says all she says at that point was simply good times. Well, that's what the word lemon Uh, comes in. There's always a lemon that comes off that assembly line. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. 
So yeah, worst car you've ever owned. If anyone has a worst car story they'd like to share, please find us on Facebook or the thingaboutcars.com website and, and deliver us a story. We would happily share that with our audience. Um, and uh, that's about it. Is there anything else we need to talk about before we answer today's Grand Trivia Auto question? Uh, I got a worst car if you want me to share mine. Yeah, do it, Trent. Uh, It was a 1989 three-door Ford Escort. (laughs) Oof, buddy. That was a a hand-me-down of a hand-me-down of a hand-me-down before it got to me. (laughs) It was not a well-loved car. (laughs) Um, The ignition didn't work. The clutch was going out. The brakes were going out. Uh, It, like everything could have been wrong on that car but somehow it still ran and drove so my parents were like here's your first car well it sounds like and somebody I, didn't know how to shift yeah my sister that owned it before me yeah <laughs> um and yeah. i wrecked it three weeks later <laughs> oh man oh. i remember one of my best friends had a purple three-door escort like that and it was it was bright metallic purple with metallic mag wheels on it on an escort and i remember one time going by and he was putting the rainbow flag on his bumper and like really you don't think anyone looking at you in this car doesn't already know you're gay (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) that's too funny uh my cousin had one of those escorts he affectionately named it herbie um but uh i'm like it's not a bug dude what are you doing uh all right so uh, thank you, Trent. Um, you know, I, I was wondering, did you really hate that car or or did you, was it a love-hate relationship? I've had other friends who said it was the worst car in the world, but they'd give anything to have it back. Uh, for me, it was definitely, I hated that particular car. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was beyond anything that should have still been running and somehow it did. So I got stuck with it. Yep. Yep. All right. Our grand trivia auto question for the day was, is... When was the first auto insurance policy sold? Was it October 20th of 1887, 1897, 1907, or 1917? Bonus points if you can name the company that sold it. All right, I'm going with Farmers 1887. 1887, that's Don. Ben, you got a guess? I'd probably go with... uh, mm, Probably go with 1907. 1907. Yeah. Any yep. guess on a company name? Uh, no idea. Dave, what do you think? Travelers 1897. Amanda, what do you think? I really have no idea on this one. Dave was thoroughly decisive. He had no guesswork at all. The reason I the reason <laughs> I know that is because it was sold in my hometown. <laughs> oh. Trent, I think we've given it away, but did you have a guess? Yeah, I, I was actually going to say Farmers 97. Oh, 97, 1897. Well, the yeah. the correct answer is 1897. It was October 20, 1897, but the traveler the, the Travelers Company uh, sold it. Travelers Company out of, 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 of Hartford uh, sold it to a gentleman named Gilbert J. Loomis of Westfield, Massachusetts. So that was the first auto insurance policy ever sold, 1897. And it's it was actually it was written out of the traveler's office in Dayton, Ohio, because that's where mm. he picked up the car. And the only reason I know this is there's actually a plaque in downtown Dayton, you know, commemorating the birth of automotive insurance. Uh, like you know, 
just gives you an idea of ex- exactly what an exciting place downtown Dayton can be. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that is definitely true because my answer was really, you know, Farmers Wentz, you know, is an old insurance company. And you would have thought that people, you know, tractors and such, those were the, you know, farmers were thinking about that at the time. So oh, that's, that's good trivia. That was my line of thought. Yeah. Good trivia. Thank you. So we are running out of trivia items again. If any listener has any cool car trivia that they'd like to share with us again, please hit us via our Facebook page or the thingaboutcars.com website. Um, and that's all I've got for today, you guys. Thanks for joining us for another episode for, of The Thing About Cars. Uh, thanks to our, our, our panelists. Am I allowed to call you guys panelists? Sure. Our drivers? It doesn't seem quite right. Anyway, we'll work on that. Panelists sound so much better than angry mom. <laughs> Thanks, you guys, for joining us. Uh, We all hope that you and yours are staying safe out there, and we'll see you with another episode in about a week. Take care. Hi, everyone. Hi there. Thank you for listening. This has been The Thing About Cars. We'll see you on the road.